a better start for the Royals. The 3-7 record heading into tonight's game at Wrigley Field matches the worst in the American League. But the season's still young-ish. It would be a good week for the Royals to show some progress, and especially shortstop Aldoberto Mondesi. On today's Sports Beat KC, columnist Sam Mellinger and Vahe Gregorian speak to Mondesi's rough start, and really, fixing Mondesi is as important as anything the team does this year. It's Monday, August 3rd, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. After a break, Vahe and Sam touch on other topics like the opt-out of Chiefs running back Damian Williams and the different ways sports are handling COVID-19. So let's get started with some Royals talk with Sam and Vahe. Okay, in one of our more unusual arrangements, <laughs> we have Vahe and I practicing social distancing, and nobody is practicing it more than Sam Mellinger right now, <laughs> who is uh, who's working his way back from uh, from some very very uh, deserve, well deserved time off. So, so, and, and here's some some noise in the background there, Sam. Oh, Dan, I'm sorry. There, yeah, that's. Uh... That's my life right now. There, there's always noise in the background. I, can tell you. I think it adds a certain real world flavor to this that uh, that everybody can relate to about now. Yeah, I believe it's a game of uh, they're playing rocket boats, which means they have like these full bottles of Gatorade, and they think the Gatorade is the fuel. So the uh, the boats are very fast when they, when they're full of Gatorade, they slow down. After, you know, once they start drinking, boats. I don't know, man. As long as they're happy. Uh. Well, I think you're you're proving the point that uh, you can do work from anywhere. You don't have to be <laughs> <laughs> testing the limits for sure. <laughs> uh, so, Sam, how much Vahe's been out to the Royals a couple times? How much have you kept up with the Royals uh, opening uh, ten games? Seasons what twenty uh, percent over now? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, yeah, I mean, um, I- I've seen enough to see uh, two balls bounce off Royals gloves and over the fence. Um, I've seen enough to see, um, you know, to appreciate, I should say, uh, Mike Matheny's, you know, sort of, I don't know how to, but the the new way that he's handling the bullpen, I think that's something that we have talked to Ned Yost about in the past. I get that old school approach of, you know, he thinks guys perform better if they know exactly when they're going to go in in the game and everything. But I think there's a lot to be said for the way Matheny's doing it. He's, you know, using your best guys for, for certain situations. I've seen enough to know that, um, you know, look, like I'm not one of these people that thinks it's like you've got to walk like all the time to be productive offensively. I think the Royals have shown that in the past that they've been really productive offensively without walking. But if you're going to do that, you, you don't want to average 9.4 strikeouts per game, right? Like um, you, you got to pick one or the other. Um, you know, so it's been like I, I haven't been able to watch um, as much as I will this week uh, and going forward, you know, when you're on vacation. But it's still baseball and you can still turn it on a vacation and. You know, the results have been mixed, I would say. Brady Singer's a bright spot. Yeah, yeah, and, and the bullpen. Uh, not not bad. Uh, with some nice moments yeah. from the bullpen so far. Uh, really like what I've seen from Tre- Trevor Rosenthal. Yeah, yeah, sure. and the bullpen overall, except for the last two days, which, by the way, this is one of the perils of this, the times in general. Um, you could be watching the game Friday night, let's say. Just, I'm just making up this example, but well, you might have thought, well, the Royals have been close in a lot of games, and, and then by Sunday afternoon, uh, another 10% of the season has been played, <laughs> and it, yeah. it it looks a little different. So, you know, Sam, in the games I've been going to while you've been gone, I, I've been sort of trying to take more of a macro, for lack of a better term, look, which in these days feels more like 
it's really not about the baseball, the games per se, than about, you know, the precarious position we're in and all that. So I don't feel like I've really gotten into writing that much about the real baseball, but your points are well taken. And the other thing that stands out is 14 errors in 10 games. And that, that's sure. really odd for this group. And it's not like it's a bunch of guys that that haven't demonstrated in the past they can, they can uh, you know, apply the leather. So I, I'm not sure what's going on there. Mondesi is kind of funny because um, – He's just not gotten in any kind of overall rhythm. And yeah. I, this is a, a kind of a funny thing to say, but I do wonder if in the field, I, I wonder if the mask is, is getting in his way. I, I didn't notice the last game or two if he was still wearing it, but I, I, I wonder if there's some visual stuff going on in some way with that. And I, I'm not saying he should or shouldn't wear the mask in the field. I think you don't have to wear the mask in the field. Um, yeah. But it, anyway, I'm just scatter shooting here. Yeah, I wonder if there's a lot – if a lot of what's going on with him is mental and, and snowballing. And it's, it's weird that they've only, you know, we're doing this on Monday and they played a total of 10 games, um, which isn't that much, but it's more now than, than it ever has been. Um, but I look at him, you mentioned 14 airs. He's got three of them, right? I think so. Uh, and, and he's got that just inexcusable base running blunder um, that, that, that one was in Detroit, right? The pop, the pop out where, Anyway, uh, I, I just I have to wonder. It just you can't help but wonder. I think about whether the stuff at the plate is just kind of snowballing on him, and and this was always going to be. And, and he's taking it out to the field, and he's even you know. Because I just don't. If you have a, a clear head and confidence about you, I don't think you do what he did in Detroit that base running air. I just I, I really don't. And this was always going to be an important season for him. Uh, you know, professionally, it's just. You know, he's 24 turning 25. This is, you know, he's not old yet, but he's not super young either. Right. And, you know, this is when you need to start producing. Personally, this is um, the first year that he's going to be arbitration eligible. So he's got more money at stake now than he has in the past. And I think there was a hope uh, before the season. There's still probably a hope internally that, you know, again, it's only 10 games, but that that would be a motivation to sort of, you know, a, a fresh motivation to, you know, to really play with an urgency that maybe hasn't always been there in the past. And, you know, maybe what we're seeing in these first 10 games is it's maybe too much of an urgency, you know, try easier as George Brett always says. And maybe there's a, a certain element of he's pressing too much. And I think it, it just, I look at him, especially at the plate and I just see a lack of confidence and, and it's, it's easy to wonder if that's, bleeding out to the field and to the bases. I don't know if this is true more in baseball than other sports, but it makes me think about this. I feel like there's a, a genuine time where somebody of that kind of talent in baseball, you really don't know if he's ever going to make good on that talent. Uh, you don't mm-hmm. quite know if that's going to turn. Whereas in football, after a couple, three years, I mean, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously we're <laughs> still in the middle of the, the Patrick Mahomes example of that, but I but I, I think it's just kind of interesting that, that Baseball plays out so differently than other sports that way. Well, it's uh, the physical talents. And the Royals have two great examples, right? Mondesi and Bubba Starling. Uh, both those guys are freakishly talented. And, and I think that, you know, either one of those guys, they have like NFL player level athleticism. Um, and... But that doesn't matter. I mean, it matters in baseball. You, you know, it, it, it helps you run. It helps you to have bat speed and power and all that stuff. 
But hitting is such a specific skill that has owned over, you know, thousands of reps. And it requires a mental fortitude to go along with it, to get you through the slumps and to get you through the fact that the best pitchers in the world are throwing 95 mile an hour pitches that aren't going straight. And, and you've got to decide whether to swing and where to swing. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just, a, it's the hardest thing to do in baseball. I know that's a cliche, but people say it for a reason. And, um, you know, all the physical gifts in the world sometimes don't, don't help you there. I mean, Billy Butler is, should we say an inferior athlete to Bubba Starling and, and, and Mondesi. Um, and he can hit 51 doubles and 21 home runs in a season. Um, so it's just the, those physical gifts can help, but you know, you still got to be in the box and decide what's a strike and what's not. You know, both you guys alluded to some numbers earlier, and I think Mondesi is, is the person you think of uh, when, you, when you talk about a major league leading 14 errors by this team, um, major league leading 16 walks, major league fewest 16 walks, by this team, only the Marlins and the Cardinals have fewer walks, uh, and for for good reason. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Royals have played ten games, and the Marlins and Cardinals have played eight between them. Um, and the strikeouts, ninety four strikeouts, uh, like I think is sixth in in um, in Major League Baseball. So those are you know just applying. So if you're looking for reasons why they're three and ten, which matches the worst record in the American League, three and seven, three and seven, yeah, in ten games, three and seven. Um, th- those numbers really stand out, and I, you know I get a sense in watching Mike Matheny on a couple of these Zoom calls that he's, you know, he's pretty frustrated, and and For sure. and acts, you know, and, and you might you hear it in his voice in a different way than maybe Ned Yost would have acted in a similar situation. Ned was just so even keel about everything, but I, I I sense the, you know, a little bit of the frustration from Mike Matheny when I hear his Zoom calls. Well, it's interesting. I, I agree with you. And it's interesting, though, right? I was thinking about this, like, okay, if Mondesi epitomizes the situation, well, you're not going to just say, I don't think, you're not going to say, well, we're going to sit him until he gets his head together. I mean, that especially in this kind of weird season, which I think you can make the case this whole season is really just a developmental season anyway. Um, I don't know. I don't know what you would do with that. But, I mean, if that goes on another three, four games where he, there's some kind of disengagement, Maybe you need to do something different to get his attention. I don't, I don't know what that answer is, but... Yeah. It's, it's really... I mean, um, you mentioned those two numbers, Blair. You, you know, you can be the 94 strikeouts and 16 walks. Like, you can not walk and be productive offensively. You can strike out a lot and be productive offensively. You can't do both. Right. <laughs> and and that's that's the big problem right now. And, and you know, Mondesi is the, 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 the most shining example of that. And it's really... Um, Gosh, what's like a level below crisis? Like it's, it's, it has the potential to turn into a crisis for Mike Matheny. And all of these things that we've learned about him over the last, you know, year or so, and, and particularly in the last, what, eight months since he got the job, whatever it was, um, they're being, they're going to be, they are, and they will continue to be put to the test with that. Um, I've been, so impressed with, I mean, there were a bunch of red flags on Mike Matheny coming out of St. Louis. And um, I've been really impressed with his sort of owning of the mistakes and, and not just like admitting that or recognizing that, but taking some pretty extreme 
uh, steps to correct those. And, you know, the self-awareness has been really important. Um, but that's great as far as like trying to solve problems before they, before they happen. And, um, you know, making a list of, I need to talk to this person and this person today, and I need to encourage this one and challenge this one. And this is what I talked to this guy about yesterday. And I'm going to be organized on that. That's great. That's great. But what happens when you're, your shortstop who has an outsized responsibility, I'll use that word, um, for the, for the franchise's future success is in this much of a mess. Like what does Mike Matheny's decision there when he writes it on his post-it notes or his list and puts it in his back pocket about like whether to encourage modesty or challenge him, like that has to be the right decision. And, and the way that he, you know, he can't have modesty doing any more of those base running mistakes in Detroit without some sort of consequence or else the other guys are going to look and be like, well, why, why is he playing by a different set of rules than the rest of us? And, and that kind of thing. Can still, it's, it's a really, you know, I, I know people are discouraged from watching the Royals when they're three and seven. I, I, I get it, but it's a hell of an interesting time to be Mike Matheny and to see how he handles this stuff. You know, it's funny. There's such a, there's such a fine line between reasons and excuses for things, right? I mean, every team's got deficits and COVID has been a factor, but, a team that was a bit pitching thin among its starters, having two down before the season even started. I mean, that's led to, I think it's seven different guys starting their first 10 games. 20 guys have pitched already. Major League high. Major League high. So take that into account. And goofy things like Franco leaving seven guys on base the other night, yeah. which is, I'm not sure how many times that's happened in Major League history. <laughs> All which is to say, in a way, they've been close, but then they have these last two blowouts, which are a little weird when you get that going after, you know, I think they'd lost four games by a total of five runs. And, you know, the, the ballad of the loser, I think I learned that from Sam Mellinger, is, you know, we were close. But, but it's different when you're in a game and you can see one or two things that change that, that were the difference in, in, in winning or losing. So they, they've got to get a little juice going here in these next couple of days, or really, I think it is going to go off the rails. And that that's, if there's still baseball being played, um, it's really going to be a, a shame, right? I mean, there's a lot of reason to be excited about what we think is coming out here. The lineup ought to be potent or reasonably potent. Um, it's kind of exciting seeing Singer and Bubich up here. I think Matheny is a breath of fresh air. And so to have all that just sort of crumbling right now is really just, it's just too bad. Doesn't, doesn't add up to me, actually. Mm. Yeah. And the, the um, Ryan O'Hearn, too. I mean, he's only played, I think, six of the ten games. He, he's been he's been encouraging. He, he's hitting the ball hard. Um, the thing, uh, I don't know. I hope I'm not just, like, beating a dead horse here. But, um, you know, with Mondesi, the, the problem is, I think, amplified with him because – the Royals have gone very, obviously, we've talked about this plenty, but very in on pitching and specifically starting pitching. And um, what that means is that the Royals don't have to be right on Brady Singer, um, right? They don't have to be right on Chris Bubich. They don't have to be right on Daniel Lynch. They need to be right on a lot of those guys, um, you know, but the, the, when, you, when you throw a lot of darts, you, you can miss some. Um, but when you go so heavy on pitching, you know, by definition, you, you don't go as heavy on position players. And, uh, you know, as encouraged as a lot of us, maybe all of us have been on, on Bobby Wood Jr. and what he showed, uh, you know, especially been, you know, the 
whatever summer camp or spring training 2.0 um they need to be right on those position players and they don't have to be right on all of them but they need to be right on a higher percentage than than the pitchers and mondesi um you know maybe wit jr is, is you know has a higher ceiling i don't know but they're, they're close and they really if they're right on both those guys it, it, it helps them a lot if they if they whiffed on Mondesi and then and two years ago when we had the um you know it was a 117 OPS plus and, and he was really good before he got hurt I think he played 75 game and and if that turns out to be sort of the fluke of his career and and what we saw last year and then 2017 if that stuff is is more the rule then that's that's baseball is not the kind of sport where one player can make or break Right, um, Mondesi doesn't play quarterback, <laughs> and uh, you know doesn't have the ball in his hands all the time like in basketball. But um, gosh, that, that that would be a big step backward if they're, if they're not right about him. Sam, it's funny you bring that up because I think you might remember this better than I did, and Blair may have looked it up. But remember after Mahomes' first season, I think we both had conversations with Dayton. Maybe you had a more extensive yeah. one about him taking Mondesi aside to tell him he can be Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, um, and I yeah. I don't know if that to go back to your point about how Matheny approaches Mondesi, how much he's he's a guy that psychologically uh, encouragement pressure whatever these things are. I mean, I don't know what permeates. I guess that's the question for them right now. What reaches yeah, him? You know, there's some armchair psychology here. So feel free, everybody listening should feel free to dismiss any portion of this that they want, but. The way that Dayton told that story, um, you know, both publicly and then kind of explaining the context of it a little bit more privately and the way that, um, you know, Pedro Rafal, who's sort of been assigned <laughs> to Mondesi in some ways, um, the way that these guys and others talk about him, it's always left me with the impression that they're trying to convince him of how good he can be and that you know, nobody hits it right on the button, right? Nobody except for Patch Mahomes and Mike Trout, right? Like there are, there are no perfect athletes, but um, it's, it's always left me with the impression that they believe that guy needs to believe in himself. And, and that's why I keep thinking about the 14 strikeouts and zero walks or whatever it is, like his struggles at the plate carrying into the field with three airs and the base running blunder. I just, I just wonder if that confidence is, is, is snowballing the wrong direction. And, um, again, this was always going to be a huge season for him and a, a strong start as, as, as encouraging and as important as it would have been for him and his, you know, sort of not self-esteem. That's that's too strong. But just his confidence as a baseball player, as, as good as that would have been, I think, you know, it's probably been as, as bad, uh, you know, the way that it's gone. And, um, and you just said, if I, I mean, there was some urgency in the way you put it, like over these next three or four games. I mean, if he – he could really use a two for four with a double and, you know, and a stolen base and a hell of a play in the hole or something like that. I mean, he, he could really use that tonight, tomorrow, the next day, you know, going forward. Um, he probably needs that as much as anybody. Well, there's some people I know that know baseball that think the 40 game marker is really, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty big. And I, I guess the, doing the math this year, uh, we're closing in on that right about that time, aren't we? Yeah. Friday, Friday would be the, uh, I think it would technically it would be the 14.8th game of the season um, again, in a regular. No, no, I'm sorry, 40 games would be uh, 40 divided by 62 is the same percentage as 14.8 out of 60. Um, so, yeah, you're at that point where, where teams start to 
you know, make judgments about who their, about who their team is. And I, you know, I don't know how that translates to, you know, to 60 games, but that's, that's the real, that's the real stuff. Yeah. All right, so I jotted some notes down while you guys were talking. Uh, we'll, we'll go into a break with this. Um, we, we talked about the um, team that doesn't walk a lot. The 15 team didn't walk a lot, but they always put the ball in play. That yes. was the marker about the 15 team. Always put the ball in play, didn't strike out a lot. And great to see Jacob Junis back on the mound. I thought he actually pitched well on Sunday. Brad Keller's coming back. And I, I think this lineup will – will be better strengthened and gain a little confidence with the return of Hunter Dozier as well. I think, they, sure. I think they're really missing Hunter Dozier, um, or at least the Hunter Dozier of yeah. last year. Yeah, so. yeah, good distinction. Okay, let's take a quick thing. Yeah. Just one more look, quick point. I looked this up this morning. The Royals, and this probably doesn't surprise anybody, but the Royals are the only team in either league to rank in the bottom three in fewest walks in the – Top three in most strikeouts. Yeah. You know, like every, everybody else is picking a lane. All right, let's take a break and we'll hit uh, Sam and Vahe up on some short subjects. Uh, non Royals. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Back with Sam Mellinger and Vahe Gregorian. We're talking kind of a little bit of everything here on, uh, on a Monday. Hey, so Sam, you've been gone. We haven't had a chance to talk to you since uh, the Damian Williams opt-out. And uh, it was, uh, look, no problem with him doing it. We learned the day after it was announced that mother has stage four cancer. In fact, it, just as we it, we talked about Laurent Duvernay Tardif, Tardif opting out for the right reasons, this is absolutely not that there's a wrong reason, but the, but the, this is a, a reason good reason. anybody can understand. Yes, right. Thank I you. Mean, yeah, yeah. Um, how, Chief's going to be okay at running back. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if we're just looking at this at a you know strictly football point of view um so i think these are like very personal decisions that i like I, I don't want to hear anybody criticize a guy for opting in or out i mean it's just personal decision you know support or whatever but um yeah i mean that, that, that's a position they've got a lot of depth damian williams is a really good player and and you know i don't know if he's underappreciated in kansas city he's probably i don't think he i think he is appreciated around kansas city but um you know running backs can be interchangeable but i think we saw in the super bowl uh, most most obviously, but you know, not just in the Super Bowl, but throughout, he's just a really well rounded guy. I mean, he, he's got some speed, he's got some power, he can pass, protect, he can catch the ball. I mean, he's just um, he can do kind of everything. He, he doesn't have like a one simple quality that jumps off the page, right? Like he's um, you know he's not the fastest guy in the league, or he's not the strongest, but he's just he's well rounded enough to kind of do anything. And it's a good time to have drafted Clyde. Edwards Hilaire, you know what I mean? It's a good time to have that depth. Um, and I think they, they'll, they'll be fine there. Um, 
you know, they'll miss him a little bit, but I think they've got enough to make up for it. Yeah, just to, to chime in one other point, I mean, one of the things, their strategy has been interesting. It does seem like they've continued on this path of sort of flooding the zone or, you know, creating an embarrassment of riches almost with, with the skill position guys around Patrick. But this is another one of the reasons you do that, right? You just don't know. I mean, you're always one injury, one complicated year of, of year in the life of the world away from what do you do with this. So um, it seems like it 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 uh, it further further legitimizes what their strategy's been to to keep the line moving that way. I just think there's a little bit of a concern of the unknown with Clyde Edwards-Alaire when it comes to pass blocking and. Uh, yes. Because um, every every indication is he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can do the things that an Andy Reid uh, coach ru- team running back needs to do. Can he pick up the blitzing linebacker? And can he pick up the blitzing linebacker with far more rudimentary preseason than we've been used right. to at right. camp? I mean, it's just you're going to be playing the Texans, and by the way, this is what you have to do. <laughs> yeah. You don't know until – they do it, and I think that this is a big reason why Darwin Thompson, you know, hasn't played as much. Um, but the one thing that you that you probably want to say is like the, the Chiefs drafted Darwin Thompson was on like the fourth or fifth round, something like that. Even um, later, fifth or sixth. No, yeah, and, and so you know you can take a gamble right at that point. But my assumption is that the Chiefs would not, no matter what the tape, the rest of the tape looks like. Uh, my assumption is that Chiefs would not use a first round pick on a running back that they didn't believe could could pass protect. That is the one thing that everybody in that building, you know, from from man 53 <laughs> on up to Clark Hunt, that is one thing that everybody in that building is demanding from that position. So you, you would assume that he'd be able to do it, but, you know, to, to your guys' point that you just made, um, you'd probably feel better if you had four, maybe three, whatever, uh, preseason games and, and, you know, full practices and stuff for him to work on that. Don't forget Darrell Williams is there too, and Darrell Williams yep. was, you know, serviceable – he ended up being the number two back at the end of the regular season in 2018 and into the playoffs. Had a rushing touchdown against the Colts. Serviceable running back uh, with, sure. a, with with you know Andy Reid experience. So I, I think he'll 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 factor into this as well. Um, hey, how about the idea that no uh, phase four of the NHL uh, startup uh, and it was announced today. No COVID uh, positive tests. NBA seems to have started up uh, without much of an issue. MLS, after a little bit of you know a little bit of problem at the beginning with before teams got to Orlando, got its tournament up and going. It didn't have problems once the the um, the teams were in Orlando at the MLS's back tournament. Meanwhile, baseball has two teams that are just you know as we're, I, I, it's been reported. I don't know if I should even put it out there, but heck, it's a podcast. We'll, we'll put it out there. Some of the Cardinals went to a casino is what we're hearing, right? And that's where they got uh, the COVID. And there were some uh, members of the Miami Marlins that went out while they were in Atlanta to an exhibition game. Anyway, did not practice good behavior. And this this is the concern, right? I mean, that teams that are in leagues that are in bubbles, you know, with curfews, I mean, they can control their players. Once you get them on the road – that's you're, you're, it's a it's a crapshoot, and so I think about this for football, for the NFL, and for and especially for college football in college towns. Uh, should we be concerned? Yeah. Go ahead, Sam. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. I, I mean, I think so. I think that um, I, I continue to think that it's crazy uh, that college football is 
moving on and planning on playing. Uh, you know, now most leagues are down to conference only, right? But or conference only plus one or whatever. But um, to me, I, I draw a line between college and, and the NFL, and I think that the NFL faces a lot of similar challenges. Um, and everything that we saw with the Marlins and been reported with the Cardinals, like all that stuff, can be certainly possible in the NFL when you've got a 53-man roster. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, because all it takes is one, right? Um, and, and I think that one other thing that the NFL might be, you know, a bigger challenge than even Major League Baseball is I think the NFL, it, it, I can imagine it spreading quicker in an NFL locker room. I think that Major League Baseball, not just on the field, um, with distancing, but Major League Baseball can stagger training and, and, you know, keep guys separated a little bit better in the clubhouse than I think that, than the NFL can. I mean, you know, at some point you need all your DBs in the DB room to have a, a defensive backs meeting. You know, at some point you need the linemen together to talk about stuff. And I just, you know, I don't know that that necessarily works on a Zoom call. And I just, um, it, it's those kinds of challenges too. It's not just, you know, people think of, you know, the offensive line and the defensive line colliding on every play. And isn't that going to generate spread? And yeah, probably. But there, there's a lot of other parts of it too. And so, you know, this is as much of a tightrope as, as Major League Baseball is attempting without a bubble. Uh, I, I do believe that the NFL is, I mean, that's, that's, that's even more difficult for sure. I, I would just add, I mean, it, it does seem almost self-evident now that the bubble is just entirely different dynamic. And yeah. not foolproof, but but somewhat close, right? I mean, yeah. you can if you're in the bubble, then you know the, your way into the bubble is is, is cleared and etc. Um, the, the the complications with with anything outside the bubble are, I guess, also becoming self evident. It's not just the X factor of getting on a plane and going into your hotel room. It's also are you going to make bad decisions, right? So I mean, things could happen even without making bad decisions. I mean, yeah. you know. They could, I mean, but we haven't, we haven't heard of any COVID case that originated from a plane ride or a hotel stay. Right, we have, not that we know of. Right. Right, so, so this is sort of my way of getting to that point, I guess. If you sift it right down, huh, it turns out if you don't go to bars and casinos <laughs> that maybe it's not a, a fiasco. And yeah. I get that there's people... Uh, you know, we've had staff discussions where people really think this this should all be shut down. But honestly, if 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 you can implore people to have discipline about how they're handling it, I think you can still have the baseball season. I really do. But yeah. I, how do we know everybody's going to honor their part? I was I use this term in something I wrote through Danny Duffy's voice yesterday about. I mean, he kind of recognizes we're all every one of us is a link in the chain, and it's kind of mm-hmm. that simple. He didn't use that term even, but it, his. His words were all to that effect, and it seems like it has broader application. <laughs> yeah, there, I mean, yeah, there is the idea that uh, when when you're not in a bubble, the temptation to go to a bar, go to a casino, whatever, is, is going to be higher, obviously, than, than when you are in the bubble. And there's also the fact, and I guess maybe this is part of what you're just saying about it, but, um, you know, the... The, the top soccer leagues in Germany, in England, and, you know, in European countries are playing. And um, if one of their guys, you know, takes the temptation and goes to a bar, goes to a casino, whatever, um, 
his chances of contracting the virus and then spreading it are lower than they are here just because it's not just about what these leagues do there's a lot of you know it's about what the countries have done right you know those places have done a lot better job um than we have so again which even you know (laughs) makes the tightrope thinner and and makes the safety net even even less so it's just there's a lot working against these leagues and um you know i don't know how much money you'd want to bet on any of them finishing uh but you know just to roll back to the point i was making in the beginning i just i it continue to be baffled at how college football is, is proceeding this is, just seems crazy to me. well one last thing about football that i still can't get my arms around at all you know all right plex glass between lockers with the chiefs and all these other things and whatever but college football okay are they going to keep them in at night a but b it's the nature of the game itself i mean i still don't get you're talking about blood sweat tears saliva breathing on each other at close range i get that it's outside most of the time at all that but the the basic nature of the game is kind of collision of all the very things we're being told not to do yeah and yeah but it's also, I just, I keep coming back to this too, that um, at least in the NFL, you know, and there are some college programs, you know, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan Tech, whatever, um, that have plenty of money to do whatever they want. But um, there's still a lot of schools like Iowa State, Kansas State, can you know, there, there's more schools like that, um, that that might be stretched a little bit to, um, to take care of this stuff. And, but more to the point, they're athletes you know in, in the nfl these are grown adults and and they're well compensated and you know they are liberated in a way to make informed and independent decisions that is fundamentally not possible for college kids it's just not and not to mention there's there's more information for for those nfl players for the professionals than there's for college kids um and you know again i, I get like some people listen you know the they're not a vulnerable population. For the most part, that's true. But there are there are plenty of college football players who are diabetic that you know, or you know, have had pre-existing conditions, or have family members. You know, um, linemen. You know, weight has something to do with it. Uh, you know, so it's just when, when you take into account all that stuff, it's just the the idea of NFL giving it a try makes sense to me. The idea of college just seems like such a such a stretch. We'll see if that Pac-12 move has by the players has any traction. Uh, that'll be yeah. interesting to follow this week uh, with uh, the Pac-12 players making some demands on safety and health and uh, insurance, other things uh, that, that not happening in other conferences yet. I can yeah. see that spreading. So, and and to your point about the um, uh, to Vahe's point about just the nature of football. The NFL is attempting to uh, create masks, face masks that are different. Players can wear gloves, long sleeves. I think there are ways that football players will be able to protect themselves uh, in, in, their, in, a, in a COVID world um, that maybe aren't available in the college game just because of expense. We'll just have to see. So, yeah. all right, you guys, uh, great conversation. Enjoyed it thoroughly. Uh, Sam, safe travels. And, Thank you. And, Vahe, thanks for hanging out. Yeah, man. Good to see you, Sam. Alright, see you guys in person soon, hopefully. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Savannah Smith, Randy Mason, Beth Welsh, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Tip of the cap to Sam Mellinger and Vahe Gregorian for talking Royals, Chiefs, and all things Kansas City sports. Links to their columns can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. 
Hey, earlier in the episode, you heard me talk about the Sports Pass offer. It's still a good one, 30 bucks for a year's worth of sports coverage, and that includes the Sports Extra that comes with the E-Edition. There are more than 40 additional pages of national sports coverage today. Here's an even better offer. Buy the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus extra news, sports, and business coverage. The details can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. That's account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And whether it's the sports pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening. We'll be back on Tuesday with another episode.